This is The Guardian. Today, how young people drove a record turnout and a landmark election result for Poland and for Europe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So the polls on Sunday evening closed at 9 p.m. Warsaw time and an exit poll was released. that made it pretty apparent immediately that things looked bad for for law and justice and good for the opposition coalition. Sean Walker is The Guardian's Central and Eastern Europe correspondent. He spent election night at the headquarters of the country's main opposition party. And within a few minutes of that exit poll and the end of polling, uh, Donald Tusk came out onto the stage. And basically declared victory. He said, we've won, we're not going to let anyone steal this, we're going to be the next government, this is the end of peace in Poland, or as Tusk put it, the end of evil in Poland. Stand right now, law and justice, which has been in power for the last eight years, seems to have received the largest share of the votes, but it also seems that that is not enough for them to enjoy a majority in the parliament and remain in power. The right-wing populists of the Law and Justice Party have ruled Poland for eight years. In that time, they've taken a wrecking ball to democratic norms built up after communism, rolled back rights for women and demonised LGBTQ plus communities and non-European migrants. But on Sunday, Polish voters said enough. Polish people uh, proved that we are... uh, among friends in European Union. What does this result mean for women in Poland? Safety, finally safety. Uh, women, uh, young women won't be afraid to, to get pregnancy. Young women won't be afraid to go to the doctor. This election was portrayed by Donald Tusk and a lot of other polls as the last chance. It's going to change Poland massively and I think it will change perhaps European political dynamics as well. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, how Poland kicked its populists out of government. Sean, you've been right at the centre of the action in Warsaw for the last few days. No one really saw this coming. How did the opposition parties in Poland manage to secure this momentous result? Well, that's right. It's been a really nervous and really vicious campaign. And it was one of those elections where even on the morning, nobody really knew what the result was going to be. Because of the way the Polish electoral system works as well, a few percentage here and there could have enormous bearings on on how it would look in the end. 
There were various permutations about whether smaller parties would get into parliament or not, and that could completely change things. So really, everybody was left guessing. The, the opposition felt like they'd run a good campaign. It was clear that Donald Tusk, who was a bit of a controversial choice to come back and lead the campaign, had done quite a good job. But certainly, people were very nervous. And there was a feeling that if the opposition did do it, it was going to be perhaps in this very, very slim victory that was going to lead to painful uh, back and forward, perhaps some dirty tricks, perhaps new elections. So yeah, it was until the last minute, I think, until the exit polls came out on the evening, nobody was quite expecting it to be um, this emphatic. It was a record turnout, more than 70%. Sean, did you feel the momentum building during the campaigning and in the days, weeks before polling day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this was one of those elections that that people on both sides were billing as a vote of existential importance almost for Poland. So you heard Donald Tusk and the other opposition leaders saying this was the last chance to save democracy in Poland. On the law and justice side, you had them painting the opposition basically as traitors who if they were elected, were going to carry out the will of Berlin and Brussels and not be patriotic Poles. So both sides were basically saying, if you elect the other ones, the country is ruined. And I think that did energise a lot of people. And what we saw uh, is a lot of young people coming out, a lot of people in big cities coming out. The turnout in Warsaw, I mean, you mentioned it was 74% in Poland as a whole. In Warsaw, the capital, which is strongly pro-opposition, it was 85%, which is an extraordinary turnout. So I think really um, a lot of people who perhaps hadn't been engaged in politics before understood the importance of these elections and went to vote. And how much was that driven by young people? Turnout among young people was was really high. It was higher in the 18 to 29 bracket than it was for, for pensioners, which is really surprising. And it's clear it had a huge impact on the vote. And I think it's something that this week a lot of Polish commentators are thinking about and looking at because the received wisdom was that young voters had no real interest in Donald Tusk and these old men fighting against each other. And if anything, they would either vote for the left or for this far-right Confederation Party, or they would stay at home. In fact, Confederation got a very disappointing result. The left got quite a disappointing result. And the most votes among 28%, which is the biggest proportion of votes among that 18 to 29 group, went to Tusk's party. So I think there's a lot of people scratching their heads and, and trying to work out, um, because I think the predictions about what Polish young people would do turned out to be a bit wrong. And you went out on the campaign trail with Tusk, with the opposition party. Can you tell me a bit about what that was like? Well, it's always difficult with campaign events because you're seeing politicians talking to their natural base. So yeah, I went to uh, the city of Bydgoszcz, which um, is a few hours on the train out of Warsaw. And I saw Tusk speak in this big cavernous sports hall. There were a lot of people there. It was noticeable they were mostly older people, though there were some young people there. And of course, this crowd, they were the people who'd come to see Tusk and they were very enthusiastic. 
and they were very idealistic and they were very worried about the potential of a third law and justice term, what that would mean for Poland and what that would mean for them. But what was unclear until we really saw the voting was how much Tusk and the other opposition politicians had been able to resonate outside those rooms. And I think what we saw is that they did. The result seems even more astonishing given that there were suggestions that the government had made attempts to weigh the campaign and voting rules in their favour. Can you tell me what they'd done that was so controversial? So I think, yes, with these elections, we could say that on the day they were very fair. But if you look at the build-up and the campaign, it was clear that law and justice had given themselves an advantage and had tilted the playing field. Um, The main monitoring body, the the OSCE, which sends monitors, basically said things were okay on the day. Um, but they strongly criticized what they called um, a clear advantage for law and justice through their undue influence on the public media. And that's, I think, the biggest part of this is, is the media. So in, in Poland, you have TVP, which is meant to be the equivalent of the BBC. It's a public broadcaster. It's meant to be neutral and pluralistic but it's basically more like Fox News. Bardzo ci mimo wszystko dziękuję w sztabie trzeciej drogi. Małgorzata Gałka, powiedz czy obaj liderzy już na miejscu. It's strongly right wing. It's very very aggressive. It mostly covers the um, ruling party law and justice in glowing terms and if it does mention the opposition it mentions them in very negative terms. We've well, said it's an emphatic win for the opposition because All of them combined can form a majority coalition. But law and justice are still the largest party overall in Parliament, so it's a complicated result. Sean, how will the new government be formed and when will we know for sure who the next Prime Minister will be? So the next Prime Minister of Poland is almost certainly going to be Donald Tusk. After he led the campaign, his party is the biggest party by far among the three groups that will form a governing coalition. So it's pretty unthinkable that somebody else would be switched in at the last minute. We also now know that this coalition of three groups definitely has enough seats in the parliament to form a majority. And everyone except law and justice has said they won't work with law and justice. So there's a pretty clear path unless we see some extraordinary tricks from the outgoing government to try and derail this, there's a pretty clear path for a new government to form with Tusk as the prime minister. Now, when this happens is a bigger question. All eyes are on President Andrzej Duda. He is the one who gets to say who would have the first shot at forming a new government. Traditionally, that's always been law and justice. And we are expecting him to to give that mandate to law and justice, even though it's pretty clear they don't have a route to form a viable coalition. So if that does happen, that's going to take a couple of weeks and it may be a while before we see Tusk formally able to bring together his coalition and start the process of forming that government. Sean, we can hear and see so much overwhelming joy in some of the reactions to the result. 
Why does this matter so much to Poles? Can you tell me a bit about the kind of government law and justice had run for the last eight years? So I think law and justice, it's an interesting mix of of different things. It doesn't fit neatly into what in many places would be seen as the right wing and the left wing. One of the things that brought them a lot of support is that they increased a lot of social benefits to people. And they talked a lot about how unfair things had been in the past. So a little bit of sort of left-wing economics. But the main thrust of law and justice is this sort of right-wing social and cultural policy, which comes straight out of the classic populist playbook. So it's demonizing LGBTQ people, is demonizing Uh, refugees and non-European immigrants. It's really playing on the basest fears of people. It's talking about playing on this long historical trauma that Poland has with years and decades when it didn't have independence to talk about these threats to Poland coming both from Russia, but also from the EU. So real scare tactics, I think. So Sean, talk me through some of those policies. What did law and justice mean for LGBT rights, for instance? So I think what we've seen is a kind of climate of the acceptance of hate speech towards um, LGBT people. So although in this campaign, it didn't come up so much, perhaps because law and justice realised it's not such a vote winner anymore. But for example, in the presidential campaign, three years ago, the law and justice aligned candidate Andrzej Duda, who's still the president, basically made it the main prong of his campaign that he was fighting against what he called LGBT ideology, which he said was worse than communism. And so it's really this thing that we see in a lot of far right and populist governments of of claiming that so-called gender ideology or LGBT ideology is out to destroy Poland and that this has to be stopped. And of course, that translates into increased homophobia, life becoming more difficult for for LGBT people. So in this climate of hate speech, several Polish municipalities declared themselves LGBT-free zones. They put up signs, municipalities announced this. It didn't really have any legal force, but again, it was something that just added to this climate of intolerance and hatred. Donald Tusk has said that he would support civil partnerships for same-sex couples, for example, and that's something that he wants to introduce um, as a priority. So I think the shift in rhetoric, whether or not they can enact all those laws, will be another thing to see, but the shift in rhetoric is going to be the most noticeable thing when it comes to that. And what about abortion rights? Because Poland seemed to enforce some of the most draconian restrictions in Europe and even pursuing criminal prosecutions. Yes, that's right. I mean, Poland has traditionally been a very Catholic country and didn't have particularly liberal abortion laws um, already. So what law and justice has done is to make it even more draconian. So even in cases where there are serious risks of health to the woman or serious cases of of terrible um, birth defects, um, abortion is also illegal and doctors are basically put into this worrying position of, you know, maybe breaking the law if they agree to perform abortions. We are afraid of doing anything what is called abortion because we don't know what will happen. 
So we afraid to do it. So we do. We say, I'm sorry, I cannot do it for you. Is something that Donald Tusk has promised to change uh, as a priority. So whether he'll be able to get what he's promised, which is legal abortion up to 12 weeks, remains to be seen. But he will at least be able to reinstate these protections that were there before um, and, and bring things back to before law and justice started tightening even further. And what about Poland's democratic institutions? What impact did law and justice have on the media and judiciary? Over the last eight years, law and justice has been methodically chipping away at the rule of law in Poland, whether it's putting its own representatives or people that are sort of party loyal onto bodies that are supposed to be independent, or even in some cases, creating brand new bodies that then take on new functions. So all kinds of things from parts of the constitutional court to the public media regulator, which is meant to ensure neutrality in public media, have been stuffed full of basically political loyalists. This has been one of the key things that has really destroyed Poland's relationship with the EU. And it's also seen EU funding earmarked for, for Poland blocked because, you know, Brussels was really, really alarmed by this sort of rollback of judicial independence. Well, Sean, it looks like Donald Tusk is likely to take over as Prime Minister, and he's familiar to a lot of people as the former head of the European Council during the Brexit negotiations. What kind of leader do you think he might be? So... Tusk has been prime minister before in Poland. He, from 2007 to 2014, he was prime minister before he went off to take that European job as president of the European Council, which he did for five years. And there was some, you know, he's 66. There was some concern about whether or not it was the best idea for him to come back. Timothy Garton-Ash in a column earlier this week said he, he initially had felt it was a bit like Tony Blair coming back to be the Prime Minister of Britain. Uh, There are a lot of people who like Donald Tusk, but there were also a very strong negative electorate for Tusk. That was helped by the endless propaganda from from law and justice media, but it was there nonetheless. But I think, you know, while there are some people who will never like him, he has run a pretty impressive campaign. He was going out into small villages, talking to people, winning some grudging respect. It will be interesting to see what kind of prime minister he is. He will need to keep together um, a pretty diverse coalition, which is going to run from like very, very left wing people on one side to pretty right wing people if we're looking in non-Polish terms on, on the other side. But once we get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's going to be perhaps a bit tricky for him to keep this coalition um, all on the same message. You've talked me through the impact that law and justice has had on Poland in the last eight years. How difficult will it be for Tusk to overturn some of their more controversial conservative policies? Well, I think there's two parts to this question. So the first difficulty will be the fact that until 2025, Andrzej Duda is going to be the president of Poland, and he has a veto right over everything. So any legislation that he doesn't like, he can veto. The second thing, of course, is all of these institutions that are meant to be neutral 
that have been packed with law and justice appointees, ranging from the diplomatic corps to the public media, to the court system. I was talking to a writer and analyst here called Yaroslav Kwish uh, yesterday. He basically said law and justice have left all of these legal landmines in different places, different institutions. And it's only when the new government is going to step on them that it's even going to realize they're there. So there may be places where we don't even know yet that it's going to be tricky. And then suddenly it will turn out that something that should be a neutral body is actually going to block something the new government wants to do. Coming up, the lessons Europe could learn from Poland on how to defeat populism. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Sean, can you talk me through the reaction in Brussels? Because it seems to have been almost as jubilant as it was in Poland itself. Why was that? And how fraught had relations become? Yeah, I think the vast majority of European politicians in Brussels and in national capitals will be quite pleased to see the back of law and justice. They did win some credit in the last year and a half for their strident support of Ukraine. But really, this government has acted as, you know, a a bit of a problem child when it comes to Brussels, together with Hungary. There have been these concerns for a long time. And of course, there was all this rhetoric about Berlin, Brussels, kind of dictating things to Poland. And it was just a kind of unpleasant energy in, in the way that 
uh, law and justice talked about Europe, and of course, in the way that Europe talked about law and justice. And now instead, we've got someone coming in who many of these politicians in other countries know personally, he was in the European Council for five years, he said that restoring good relations with the EU is one of his absolute top priorities. So I think clearly there is going to be tremendous goodwill towards this new government in Brussels and in other capitals. And I think there's going to be a total change in the way that uh, Poland talks about the EU. Sean, you've spent a lot of time in Ukraine in the past year. How do you think this result will be seen in Kyiv? So I think there is interest, of course, because Poland is so close to Ukraine. So many Ukrainians live in Poland and, and Warsaw's been this big supporter of Ukraine um, from the start. I think actually on Ukraine policy is perhaps the one area where there's more or less a consensus in Polish society. And so I, I don't think we'll see a huge change. I think the Tusk, potential Tusk government will be continue to be massively pro-Ukrainian. I saw this week, Vladimir Putin's spokesman was asked what he thought about the Polish elections. And he basically said, they all hate Russia, they all love Ukraine, it's not going to make any difference to us. And probably that's going to be, you know, in reverse, the case for Ukraine. Well, Sean, finally, a lot of people will have seen this result and thought that's an unexpected bright spot in the news. And it's quite cheering to see that there is perhaps a blueprint on offer that other countries could take if they're fearing the far right's march. Um, Is that true? Is there a template from this election? And what do you think fundamentally drove this result? I think there are definitely some some lessons here. It's it's always tricky, of course, to extrapolate across contexts. I mean, one thing that was really interesting about this election is um, the fact that the opposition didn't run as one single block against law and justice. So there were these three parties that kept um, their separate party lists. And there was a real fear about that. For, for months, there were debates about should they band together? Was it best to have a unified list against law and justice? And, and in the end, it seems to have really benefited them that there wasn't that unified list. It gave people a choice. It meant people who were sort of sick of this two-party politics back and forward could maybe come out and vote for a different party. And I think that maybe turns on its head a bit the conventional wisdom about this. I mean, last year in Hungary, there was a joint list against Viktor Orban and they were totally unsuccessful. I think this election will be studied for this extraordinary high turnout. We talked a bit about the reasons for that, but, you know, really, I mean, 74%, 85% in Warsaw. These are really extraordinary numbers. So I think it will be interesting to see what exactly it was. Why, why was this different to, to plenty of other elections where people are very aware that there's a lot at stake politically, um, that the vote was able to be got out in, in such huge numbers? Sean, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. That was Sean Walker, The Guardian's Central and Eastern Europe correspondent. You can read his reporting from Warsaw and follow developments on this story at theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Lucy Hoff. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back again tomorrow.
This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.